Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this cool morning. Like the fresh morning air, speak to us through your scripture and your Holy Spirit and refresh our hearts and minds with your love and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. This is the last part of chapter 4, which follows Paul's Paul, after Paul condemned a false spirituality of unhealthy asceticism, asceticism and called for true spirituality of athletic discipline. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the scripture and, and preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through the prophecy when body of elders lay their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch yourself and doctrine closely, preserving them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In order to receive God's blessings and challenges from today's text, we need to recognize the context of Timothy's ministry first. We need to see Timothy's triple challenges in his ministry. First, Timothy was in tough spot because he was pastoring a church that had not called him, but he was sent by his teacher and mentor. There is no indication that anyone in Ephesus had asked for him to come, much less appointed or elected him to leadership. We sense from the opening chapter of this letter that Timothy would rather be somewhere else. Uh, chapter 1, verse 3, Paul said this, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia to stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. So Paul, it was Paul who urged Timothy to stay in Ephesus. Have you wished that you worked in a different company or different job? Timothy probably shares a, a similar sentiment with you today. Second, Timothy was a timid by nature. He was not a take charge kind of guy. Do you remember that Timothy was a mama's boy and grandmama's boy? Throughout Paul's letters, we see timid Timothy over and over again. For instance, in 2 Timothy uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 7, uh, records uh, Paul's sort of uh, uh, apostolic nudge for Timothy to assert himself. Paul said, 2 Timothy uh, 1.7, For God gave us not a spirit of a fear, but a spirit of a power and love and self-discipline. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 10, says, Paul says that when Timothy comes to you, see to it that he has nothing to fear, while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. Paul was telling Corinthians that 
You guys don't intimate Timothy unnecessarily. So there was an extra care and concern for timid Timothy. And third, along with his retiring nature, Timothy's relative youth made him a natural target for critics. In today, verse 12, Paul said, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Biblical scholars estimate that Timothy was in his mid-30s at this time. It may not seem so young to us now, but in a culture where once elders were highly regarded, in a church where elders were older than he, Timothy's relative young age, relatively young age was a handicap. Indeed, later we will see some older, unruly, strong woman made, made Timothy's stomach turn, turn. So what practical advice and exhortation would you give to a young pastor in a tough ministry spot? Here Paul gives five exhortations. Even though these five exhortations were given in a rapid-fire manner, each has a spiritual meat for us to chew, and I hope that Holy Spirit encourages us with some of these focal pointers. So I'm going to be going to look at these five points. First, Paul said, verse 12, that do not let anyone look down on your, age, your young or your young age, but set, set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in speech, in faith, and in purity. Paul is saying here is that it's not age, but maturity and the character that matters. Don't let your physical age intimidate you, Timothy. You are spiritually older because you understand the gospel longer and deeper and more than these old people. As long as you are exemplary, exemplary, in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, you have a spiritual authority and a moral, moral leverage to lead. You know, this reminds me of a, a young a shepherd that I met at New Life Fellowship House Church Seminar. Uh, there was a one young, single guy leading a, a, about a four or three, or definitely three, but can be a four married couple and couple singles. He jokingly said he's a spiritual single parent. And they, he said he didn't, he didn't know and still doesn't know what to do when the married couple, especially brothers, called him for marital you know, uh, a problem. <laughs> and so he, he goes there uh, reluctantly. And then when he expresses uh, you know, uh, uncomfortableness, and they said, don't worry, you are our shepherd. Your marital status doesn't matter to us. Just to listen to my problem and pray for me. And he just, you know, listen. And oftentimes they find a great comfort that they're, you know, in their single uh, spiritual, I mean, spiritual single parent or single, you know, spiritual shepherd. So age doesn't matter. Marital status doesn't matter. It is a spiritual maturity that matters. And second, Verse 13, Paul said, Devote yourself to public reading of scripture and preaching and teaching. Here, we can see a valuable insight in the early Christian worship. They inherited and practiced the public reading of scripture from Jewish 
synagogues of worship. Obviously, all these early Christians and preachers, they were Jews like Paul. So their liturgy or liturgical experience came from their old liturgy. And by the way, the scripture here meant the Old Testament. We should recognize that whenever New Testament mentions scripture, it refers to Old Testament or Jewish scripture. And after reading the scripture, Christian pastors and teachers, they preached and explained the announced text or read text. From the beginning, Christian preaching was an expository or exposition on the text, not a topical preaching. Topical preaching is a modern invention. And definitely, uh, as true, I avoid any topical preaching as much as possible. And third, Paul said, Do not neglect your gift, which is given you through prophecy when the body of elders lay their hands on you. Paul was saying, don't forget, but exercise God-given gift. Here we see another important insight about spiritual gift. When God gives us spiritual gift, it is our responsibility to develop them. The old saying of use it or lose it applies to exercising of our spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are like a seed or saplings. They don't come in fully developed forms. God gives us a spiritual gifts in the form of the seed or saplings or, or DNA. You know, we are all born with a certain physical DNA. That's why some of us look this way or that way. Spiritual gifts are like that. So we need to nourish our spiritual gifts with a repeated practice. Otherwise, it, we lose it, actually. It, it, we neglect it, and it's, it's, sort of a, it's a mute point. So Paul is calling Timothy that do not neglect your spiritual gift, but nourish and use it. Fourth, Paul said, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Simply put, ministry is a hard work. I have not seen any good pastoral ministry with a lazy pastor. Behind the many struggling pastors, I usually find the problem of a sloth or laziness. Work ethic matters more in ministry. God's kingdom work requires and deserves our diligence and the devotions. Yesterday, Paul gave athletic training as the model of a spiritual discipline. There is a no good athlete without a hard work ethic. I pray that every time we see athletes on TV, we remember that we are God's athletes in this world, called to run the good race and play the most glorious games. Fifth and finally, verse 16, Paul said, Watch your life and doctrine closely. The last exhortation was to keep watchful eyes on your life and your doctrines. Here we see, inseparable connection between life and doctrines. To early Christians, doctrines were not arbitrary, abstract, theological propositions. But they are, doctrines were, personal life-giving, living truth of God. 
Many modern Christians have disdains toward the doctrines. Especially in evangelical churches, I recognize that, that there have been too many unnecessary, unhealthy witch hunt for heretics on minor issues. It's usually the conservatives or fundamentalists you know, hunting down the moderate with an unnecessary minor theological disagreement. But the core doctrines of a Christian faith are very important because they are life-giving truths of God who loves us so much. The Greek word for watch here means echo on or make sure that it echoes on you. If a doctrine and truth of God does not echo on our, on our life, what else is our life is echoing? Let us watch our life and doctrines of God today, and let's make sure that our life echo God's doctrine and truth of love. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling us to serve you and your people. Although we find ourselves so inadequate for your kingdom work many times and we feel intimidated by, by its tough challenges, help us remember that nothing is bigger than you and you are carrying us in your hands every day. Help us focus on our obedience and diligence more than our weaknesses and the words of our critics. Help us dwell in your love and echo your kindness and goodness to others in our life. In the name of Jesus, whose perfect love for us, cast out all our fears, we pray. Amen.